I'm Michelle. I'm Rob. And this is Two, Two Librarians, Librarians Walk, Walk Into a, a Shelf. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Monday. She is our coworker. She's going to talk to us about representation in media. To get us going with that, I uh, just want to mention that like storytelling is part of what makes us human from the first cave paintings to modern media. It's in our DNA to want to communicate our stories to other people. It brings us together. It allows us to pass on knowledge, helps us relieve tension, and can even issue warnings to others. Storytelling is the essence of who we are, and the stories themselves are little pieces of us, and they represent our hopes, dreams, fears, and goals. Fiction shows us who we are, who we want to be, and it's so important that everyone be able to find media, books, movies, whatever, that reflects their stories. And this is why representation in media is so important and why we need diverse books. Hello. Uh, again, I'm Monday. Uh, when I'm not a librarian, I'm an educator and a blogger of all things books and literature related. So when I was younger, I had a speech disorder. I was born deaf in my left ear, so when I spoke, no one really could understand me. So books were always my best friends. They could always understand me. They were always there. I always looked for that representation when I was younger, but I sometimes didn't see it, especially in school. And it just kind of made me sad at times when I reflect on my childhood about the lack of representation we had in school. The representation we did have focused so heavily on black trauma, which is like slavery, the civil rights movement, just all the sadness of black lives, but none of the joy or the normalcy that you see when looking at, I, I guess I have to say, kind of white Americans, their lives and how normal they can be. And so some of the books I just want to recommend today deal with that normalcy or that fantasy world because books are meant to be an escapism, at least in my mind. They are meant to help me escape the real world. So while The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and Dear Martin by Nick Stone are great examples of the racial justice movement, the ones that I'm recommending today are just kind of nice books to help you escape. So for those who have children, picture books. Bedtime Bonnet and Just Like Me. Um, so Bedtime Bonnet by Amanda Nancy Red and Just Like Me by Vanessa Brantley Newton. They both just showcase diversity in the minds of a little kid. And the hair textures they show are just amazing. I never thought I could see a little girl with Afro puffs and like, oh, that's me. Um, juvenile literature, which is more for like elementary and like lower middle grade. The Crossover by Kwame Alexander and Blended by Sharon Draper. They show some moments in childhood that, you know, they are important, um, but it also shows it in a normal way. And if you like verse novels, the crossover is like really good for realistic YA, which is more, oh, you can actually expect to see this in maybe real life. You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson and Happily Ever Afters by Elise Bryant. So those two are You Should See Me in a Crown about a girl who is getting a scholarship and, you know, she has to become a prom queen to get that scholarship. 
And Happily Ever After is just focused on a girl who she's going to college and she's going to write those romance novels that she always wanted to see herself in. And then finally, fantasy. Fantasy YA, we have A Blade So Black by L.L. McKinney. That one is kind of a spinoff on Alice in Wonderland. And it takes place in Atlanta. So it's like, that's really cool. And then A Phoenix First Must Burn by Multiple Authors. It's a series of short stories that just have Black female protagonists, um, either sci-fi or fantasy related. So those are some of my recommendations. And I do recommend just like looking into them and looking into more books that are led by Black characters. It makes me sad when I think about what we read when I was in school and how, like you mentioned, the normalcy was always white Americans and the trauma surrounding what we learned like for Black History Month. That just makes me sad to think about that, that my classmates didn't have representation of themselves and what we read in school. So I'm glad this is a conversation that we can have now, and I'm glad it's something that more people talk about. Thank you for your recommendations. No problem. And again, reading about Black characters, reading about Black culture doesn't just have to take place in February. It can happen all year long. It can happen whenever. Absolutely. It shouldn't just be regulated to one month. You know, I went a long time thinking that media by Black creators was not for me, that I would be inserting myself into something that I didn't belong in. Not that in a way that I, I shouldn't or couldn't or I just thought it would be it was disrespectful of me to take part in that media because it wasn't necessarily written for me. But I, def- I definitely see the error of that now. Like media is for everybody and diverse media is important. I just I don't know why I thought that, though. It can be multiple reasons. Again, it's normal for white Americans to be in the forefront when it comes to looking at the, and it's seen as the norm. And so when you're introduced to another culture, oh, you you don't feel that connection because it's not part of the regular discussion. And so there's a, a terminology that's used in kind of education and library, the mirror and windows discussion. You want to include stuff for children that not only reflect their own life and their own culture, but it's also a window into other cultures and other lives. If you have a mirror, that's great. They're able to see themselves. But if you don't have that window to see into that other culture, they're not able to really develop that empathy that we want people to have. Right. I like that. Windows and mirrors. I feel like I grew up in a time where there was a lot of different influences from a lot of different people and cultures. I mean, I'm just thinking about in the 70s being in the schoolyard, we all wanted to be one of two people, you know, Muhammad Ali or Bruce Lee. You can look at me and you know I didn't grow up in a predominantly black or Asian community, but those influences were there. We knew who those guys were. And then as we grew up, it was on TV. You know, there were there was a thing – Monday that was called Saturday morning cartoons. I don't think they've had that since you've been on the earth (laughs) since you've been born. Uh, But it used to be this thing where you woke up at like six in the morning, you had cereal, you watched cartoons all day. I'm not that 
young. You are that young. You are that you you grew up with a cartoon network. It was a whole network of nothing but cartoons every every minute of the day. We I had also, to wait. I also grew up with a cartoon network. Oh my gosh. So what? <laughs> I did not have cable. So uh, every Saturday for me, I would wake up and I would watch Captain Planet at like four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> then watch car commercials, and then I would watch my cartoons that were regulated uh, towards that hours. I'm just so used to Okay, m- what did you watch? Um, okay, so that's where, you know, I kind of stepped back and gotta admit, yeah, Sonic X. I saw <laughs> me some Yu-Gi-Oh! I watched Winx Club. <laughs> uh, magical do re me um teenage mutant ninja turtles you know the classics it brings me a lot of joy to know that you were a part of this uh this part of the it was such an important part of culture when when i was a kid but we had all kinds of of cartoons that kind of covered you know there was fat albert and the gang which was a huge huge show that everybody watched you know, uh, there was the Harlem Globetrotters had a TV show. Huge for me because I always wanted to be a Harlem Globetrotter. I was not built for playing basketball, and my dad had to finally sit me down and say, we, we're not from Harlem, so you can't – they probably would not consider you for the team. <laughs> now as an ad- adult, I see he was letting me off easy. <laughs> he didn't want to tell me how bad I was at basketball, <laughs> like even joke basketball. He's like, no, you no, just <laughs> – Go watch TV. (laughs) Go back to your cartoons, son. But we had all these influences. I don't know if there's still an outlet for kids today to see into these different cultures. I don't know what is available. I don't have kids, so I didn't grow. You know, I didn't have kids to raise. Uh, I don't know what they watch. I'm assuming that kids still watch that musical dinosaur, the purple one. Is that thing still around? I I have no idea. Barry. Barney. Barney. Yeah. I don't know if kids still watch Barney. So I don't know. Like, are kids introduced to so many different things now? I think so, Um, especially because there are so much different cultures that are being introduced and as well as different lifestyles. So Disney, sometimes they're good with that. Sometimes they're not. Nickelodeon those big kind of providers of kids shows, they typically do a decent job in having those different leads and showing different lifestyles. But again, you know, I, I don't really watch that anymore. So I can't really give a good kind of firm response saying, yes, this is good things are happening with the representation of cultures and media. I think, I think it is happening because we have so much access to streaming. So you're not just limited as to whatever's on Saturday morning anymore. Right. You can, like, I picked and chose what what my kid watched when he was little and his exposure to things because it was just Netflix. We didn't have cable. So if he he didn't know it existed if I didn't show it to him. And I think that uh, a lot of parents are being intentional in what they choose to show their kids because they don't want their kids to just, like, like the window. Like you said, you can't learn about other people if you don't watch about other people when you're that age. And right, right now, we've all been home for a year, so we definitely haven't been meeting new people. But also, there's more opportunity even now than when my kid was young. He's 10 now. So there's more out there that I see my friends talking about that their kids can watch. The obvious example is Spider-Man into the 
the Spider-Verse yes. with Miles Morales, which was such a great, great movie. And I think that made a lot of kids pay attention. Yes. And what's even more important is that he isn't just black, he's biracial. Yeah. And that's something that's important to kind of show off as well. Like one of the books I recommended, Blended by Sharon Draper, that deals with a biracial tween. And you don't get that kind of representation that often in media. It's usually the idea that, oh, you're just one person. You're just one entity, but you're made up of so much more. There are so many different aspects of a person that goes into them. Sure. So are there any entertainers in films or TV that you particularly enjoy watching? Immediately Zendaya. She is so versatile. Unfortunately, she doesn't sing it as much anymore, but she's a great singer. She's a great actress. And I think she's either the same age as me or younger. And it just makes me sad that it's like, oh, that could have been me if I did stuff, I guess. But you were too busy watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, I was too busy <laughs> learning the theme song of all the Power Rangers. And well, that's your passion, though. You, you you like the Power Rangers. Yeah, I love Power Rangers. And that's actually, Power Rangers is actually a great example of diversity, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, every generation of Power Rangers always had people of different cultures, different ethnicities. And it was just so amazing. I actually, fun fact, um, I for college, I was a writer for my school newspaper. And one of the first posts that I wrote dealt with the Pink Ranger finally being black. And that was great to write about, to be able to see that representation. Did you ever have one of those revelations where somebody, maybe somebody you read when you found out they were black, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Not with reading. Um, it has always been usually entertainers who I only hear their voice because there's that, oh, you hear a voice and it sounds like, oh, this sounds like this person sounds like they could be of this uh, ethnicity or this gender. And then you see their face and it's like, oh, what? Really? Okay. I'm pleasantly surprised. And so that kind of happens whenever I watch YouTube and someone does a face reveal for the first time or I'm listening to a singer on the radio and I realize, oh, they've just been influenced by our culture so much that this is what's happening. Okay. I can tell you one movie experience that was really weird. Uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. I saw that in 89. It was, it was a pretty packed crowd. And we all reacted to it differently. And I have, have you guys seen it? Mm -hmm. No. It it makes you. <laughs> the movie makes you look at a certain ugliness that's that's in us, and you don't like to recognize it. And I think that's kind of a universal, unfortunately. Like there's a part of all of us. I mean, we're works in progress. We're never done. You know, biggest room in the world is a room for improvement. But that movie really, really makes you look at, like, what side do you stand on? Like, you know, it's uncomfortable, and it, but it's got a great message, an amazing cast. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, my God, that cast. And just the way it's told. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's humor in it, but the humor kind of gets, it, it, it kind of gets to a certain point, and then they're done being funny, and then they're, 
then they're going to get to the drama. And this is the other side. This is doing it as a drama and it's just as powerful and just, you know, it, it just really was an experience that, I mean, we all left that theater like we had like <laughs> done a tour of duty during a war. I mean, it really felt like we lived through the experience and the movie all takes place in a day, starting with the main character waking up and then everything that happens happens. And then it kind of goes into the next, you really felt like you, like you lived that movie. Yeah. So I, I would definitely recommend that to anybody who. Yes. That's an example of media that I thought it wasn't for me and it was disrespectful of me to take part in it. I don't know why I thought that. I just thought Interesting. like it was it, not that I shouldn't know what happened and not that I, you know, it wasn't like a too good situation. Like it, like I just felt like it wasn't my voice and it wasn't my experience. And so I needed to let the other people have that. And it wasn't for me. I know that that's, that's an error. Like I see that as right. a fault in myself, but I just thought for so long, that stories told from not my perspective were not for me, and it was disrespectful of me to take a part in that. I don't know why I thought that, and I'm so sad that I spent so long thinking that way. Well, you mean you you realize that you know it was okay. Yeah. But if if for Black History Month, if you want to look at something serious, I feel like that's a good place to look because it's it is told with a lot of heart too. I mean, Spike Lee definitely knows his characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think there's just some parts that are heartbreaking and then, but then there's some parts that just really lift you up. And it was the first time I ever saw black teenagers in a movie reading Black Panther comic books. And I think maybe a Luke, Luke Cage comic book. Like I, I was like, oh my gosh, I read those when I was little, uh, you know, younger. I, I grew up reading comic books, uh, but it, it was not a comic book I ever saw anybody in a movie read. They always read Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. You know, <laughs> right. but there, there was a lot, I don't know. I connected to some of it. Yeah. I, I think that there are still mo- movies being made like that. And again, it just really depends on who's being able to watch it. Where is that kind of platform? Uh, one of my favorite movies that based on kind of that description is kind of reminds me of that is blind spotting that uh, stars David Diggs. And it deals with him witnessing a cop shooting and how he has to deal with that emotionally and how that builds up over the course of the movie. And it's just so powerful in moments. And yeah, it, even though it's not that constrained one day, oh my goodness, it's hitting you right there in the feels. It is one of those movies that, you know, does have that kind of impact that not a lot of people are talking about. That was a good movie. One of my favorites. <laughs> All right. Um, Monday, do you want to play the library game? Sure. Yes. You have to. Yeah. You okay. have to. Everybody has to. Okay. I am ready. <laughs> All right. This is the library's version of Kiss, Mary Kill. Okay. Shelf displaying, discard. Okay, so display is the one you'd want to kiss. Shelve is the one you'd want to marry. And discard is clearly the one you'd like to kill. Okay. Uh, it can be a book or an author. The, this is your hypothetical fantasy library. Are you taking notes? Yes. She's, <laughs> she takes things very seriously. She does. Okay. 
She's probably the smartest of us all, to be honest. Maybe I need to start taking notes. You think? Hey, one change. Okay. You do take notes, but they turn into robots. They turn into robots <laughs> fighting dinosaurs. Yep. So it can be an author or a book. So, um, you, like your hypothetical fantasy library, we you, disclaimer: you are not deleting these from our library. These are things you would delete from your hypothetical fantasy library that you're in charge of. Okay. All right. So, who would you display? This would be an author or a type of book that when people walk into your library, you're saying, hey, you probably aren't aware of this. Check it out. It's the first thing they see. I am going to have to go with One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus. Uh, I love mysteries. I love Karen McManus. I have read all four of her books that came out. And, yeah, that's, that's a great book to kind of put on a display. All right. So who do you shelf? Like the standby, the go-to? You always have them. I'm going to go with Agatha Christie on that. Agatha Christie. Nice. Yes. Can never fail. She's a great mystery writer. I can read one of those books in like a day if I am not bothered by anyone. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. And your discard. Who are you getting, James Patterson? Oh, my gosh. All right. (laughs) I think we're like. (laughs) I feel like you you were waiting for that one. Oh, yes. That was the first one I wrote down. Oh, my goodness. All right. So then I have to ask, is that James Patterson just the adult? Or is that James Patterson the picture books, James Patterson the juvenile, James Patterson the young adult? All of it. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Goodbye, James Patterson. Let me just say this. Uh, My first interaction with James Patterson was the Maximum Ride series. Uh And um, I I pride myself when I was younger in finishing books. I never finished that first book. I don't know what happened there. I read like three chapters. I was done. You may be one of the few people that have played the game that have picked James Patterson that's actually tried to read James Patterson. I haven't read any of his stuff now as an adult, but when when I was in high school, I don't really believe that there is a James Patterson. I think it's just a. I think he's. I think he's like V.C. Andrews. He's probably just not written anything in years. I mean, she, she's dead. I'm not suggesting that he's dead, but maybe he's just never was anything. And now they're pairing him up with with other writers. I don't know. I just I like that. That's everyone's answer, though. I I wonder if that's just like. Every library, all the librarians are like, oh, James Patterson. I think it's because we have to spend so much money buying all his books. I mean, so much. If you asked me before I started working here, I might have said, I have no clue, actually, to be truthful, because I loved, like, all authors or books that I came across. And then mm-hmm. I stepped foot in a library. The library will cure you of that. <laughs> James Patterson, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere you look, James Patterson. He's, every, he's in every section. Is he in biography? Oh, he's in true. Oh, he's, he's in, in true crime. True I crime. bet he has written biographies. I bet his name's on a biography out there. What hasn't he written? He's Self not help. Has he done a cookbook? The James Patterson cookbook. I'm sure it's out there. James Patterson and Snoop Dogg, and Martha Stewart. Honestly, I would buy that. <laughs> if it was Martha Stewart, Snoop Dogg, and James Patterson. Yep. Martha Stewart and, and Snoop Dogg, solid. James Patterson. Who knows what we're gonna get. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Monday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For having this talk with us today. No problem. I very much enjoyed it. Well, that's good. And so, as a friend of the show, you know, 
no matter what they say, no matter what they try to convince you of, no matter if they're begging. Don't trust robots. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project. Okay. Jenkins. <laughs> did he just? What did he just ran in there? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! No. <laughs> okay, got the zoomies out. Did you? Mm, 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 mm. We'll see about that. Yeah. All right. <sighs>